This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. And on every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. I'm your host, Rodrigo Nunez, and today I'm joined by Joseph and Adrian, and we're going to talk about a title that makes a strong case for the best soundtrack on any video game ever, talking, of course, about Crazy Taxi. Uh, so how are you guys? And uh, thank you for your being here for episode one of season two of 128-Bits. Doing good. Yeah, doing really, really well. Um, preparing for this uh, podcast, again, just put up the Spotify uh, mix of the uh, soundtrack and was brought back to uh middle school or like high, <laughs> early high school playing it i, I, I didn't realize how short it was i thought it was way longer than it that i realize now it's like an ep level right or yeah <laughs> you know I, it's I, only like two uh like four songs by two different bands yeah yeah it's just two bands <laughs> so i feel you adrian because when i was like doing the prep work for this i um i usually listen to like instrumental music be it classical or like lo-fi beats or whatever <laughs> but i couldn't get into it and then I switched to the, I was just looping the Crazy Taxi soundtrack and I like worked past midnight on this thing. I was like, oh crap, this soundtrack really works. <laughs> so um, let's get into it. The background wise, Crazy Taxi is an open world driving game ported from the arcade to the Dreamcast and released on January 24th of the year 2000. The game was eventually ported to the rest of the sixth generation consoles, PC, iOS, and even the next gen PS3 and Xbox 360. But for the sake of our conversation, we're going to be focusing on it as a Dreamcast game. Um, and Crazy Taxi is the brainchild of video game designer Kenji Kano, who was a member of Sega's in-house development studio, Hitmaker. Now, that studio is also responsible for Virtual Tennis and Virtual On, which, in my opinion, are like the heavy hitters of this generation, for Sega at least. Um, and prior to working on Crazy Taxi, Kenji Kano served as director on the arcade game Top Skater, which was that arcade cabinet that had that skateboard. I don't know if you guys remember it, that you could like oh, stomp yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Really that. loud at the arcades. Yeah. <laughs> Just like slamming into it and stuff like that. That was him before he did Crazy Taxi. So I thought that was pretty cool. What was uh, Virtual On? Virtual On was the robot one with the twin joysticks. Okay. I don't think I ever played that one. Yeah, that one was so good. And on the Dreamcast, it was actually kind of like a rare release. So you finding copies of it even at the time were never under like 50 bucks so yeah see that must have been it because you were my only dreamcast friend <laughs> you, were gonna, <laughs> you were gonna buy that yeah or did you have it i did have it i did i have don't it. remember playing it what the hell no nobody wanted to play it with me because it had a very weird control scheme because you can't replicate okay. the twin joysticks on a controller that doesn't have two joysticks right okay yeah, yeah. i've so seen it now yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Oh, it was very strange. Kind of familiar, I guess. I love that game. I, I I have a feeling when I propose it for an episode of this, it's just gonna be me talking by myself. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, the idea for Crazy Taxi came to Kano when he was stuck in traffic, but the other side of the road was totally clear, and he thought to himself, "If I could drive on the other side of the road, I could have a lot more fun and get there quicker." And that idea paired with his idea of making a car action game in the vein of an action movie and not a racing game is what brought forth crazy taxi so i thought that was pretty interesting that at the beginning he was like i don't necessarily want to make a racing game but i want to make a car action game um and another like in a couple of pieces they always paired crazy taxi with driver i don't know if you guys remember that game for the playstation mm -hmm. which was kind of like that also like based on on car chase sequences or car chase scenes in movies um, so Crazy Taxi is kind of that idea more so than a racing game. And the mechanics of the game are simple. There's a clock counting down your playtime and you're a taxi driver in a San Francisco-like city. You pick up passengers and drop them off at their location. And the more crazy stunts you pull on the way to the destination, the higher your fare is. And the quicker you arrive, the more time gets added back to your timer. So you just keep going until the clock ends. It's a simple race against the clock mechanic, but the city itself felt so real with real-life locations like KFC or Pizza Hut or my favorite, the Fila store. And <laughs> oh driving around <laughs> and the driving around was so hectic and chaotic. And of course, the soundtrack for Crazy Taxi was so insanely fun and supercharged, featuring high-energy pop punk by The Offspring and Bad Religion. 
And to this day, I think anyone that has played even like one hour of Crazy Taxi has that in their mind. It's Pavlovian. And, it's yeah. Pavlovian. <laughs> yeah. You hear that and you think Crazy Taxi or you smell the arcade machine or you, it is just, <laughs> it, it's just, it's seared in there. Um, but it was a beautifully simple and really exciting package. And this is something that I thought was really cool because according to Kenji Kano, he had the music picked out for the game before the game development even started. So the development was literally done with the music in mind, paying special attention to ensure the rhythm of gameplay matched the soundtrack, which makes total sense when you play the game and is one of those things that great video games or movies all seem to do, which is when a director takes time to set rules for the world that comes across in an almost mm. intangible way. For example, this game, or I was reading a book on, on Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki movies, and he has this thing where he'll say like, this character's favorite song is X. So whenever you're like drawing the character, listen to the song. And uh, that way, like that informs everything about it. And I can just imagine all the designers and engineers pumping the offspring while testing their animations and making sure it fits. <laughs> and it's just, it's just brilliant. And it's just really cool. And it's one of those things that really makes me appreciate when, when video game artists do that. Right. Um, but for the port to the Dreamcast, there was a little hurdle to overcome, which is that the arcade hardware had more RAM than the console. So Hitmaker had to figure out how to stream data from the disc during the gameplay, which is why there's a little bit of pop-in of the city resources as you drive around. But aside from that, the arcade port was near perfect, and the Dreamcast version also had an alternate city, which was called Original Mode, and a gameplay mode called Crazy Box, which was just a bunch of minigames. Other oh, than that, man. it was a straight-up port. And for me, Crazy Taxi is one of those unique Dreamcast games that represents a true leap from the previous generation, not just in terms of technology, but in terms of what games could be. Like Kano said, he set out to make a game that felt like an action movie, and in my opinion, he nailed it. Crazy Taxi felt like you were in an action movie, and it's the epitome of the early optimism that accompanied the Dreamcast when we thought, I might never need to go to an arcade again, right? Yeah, and spoilers, we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is probably the last console that that had that simultaneous arcade release or yeah, I don't think any else anything after that had that. Um so yeah, is there anything else that you guys came across in your in your background or your research that you want to highlight? Now that music thing is crazy to me cuz like that oh man, going back or hearing that makes it makes sense after like knowing how well they sync after playing it thousands of times so my entire life but it just it's so crazy to me. Yeah. Why do you think it was San Francisco? He said, I, I read in some interview that he wanted there to be a change in scenery, like in like, uh, like elevation and stuff like that. And he still wanted it to be mostly a city. So that's the only reason why I can think that. And the other reason, but it's weird because he called it, he didn't call it like pop punk. He called it like California music. But, Calif but pop punk is mostly Southern California, right? Yeah. Not necessarily Northern California. Mm -hmm. But the, the only those are the only two things that I could find. But I have to think it's because of the ele of, of the elevation changes. Um, yeah, so you could have like ramps and stuff like that, like built in ramps into the city. Because driving around Southern California isn't as fun. I don't know if there was an actual Fila store in San Francisco, and I uh, <laughs> I should have researched that before I recorded this. <laughs> it probably is now that it's coming back. You must yeah. be in heaven with that. Because there's definitely like New York style cabs, yeah, in yeah. some of the like the your your pick a driver, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is and Crazy Taxi three or uh, I think it's three or two actually has New York like a New York City based city, but for that one he also included the dynamic of making your cab um, able to like jump, so you could go onto bridges or overpasses and things like that, which didn't exist in the original. So. Yeah, I think he he mostly had that just because he wanted those um those uh that those elevation changes, and that reminded me there was a, a cheat or I don't I don't remember how I had it where you could unlock a bicycle cab. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. remember that. So that was always <laughs> yeah. fun because you could just see them pedal around all quick whenever you were drifting or whatever. It was it was really fun. Um, so let's get into the critical reception for Crazy Taxi. Um, the Dreamcast version of the game was pretty much universally beloved. But believe it or not, I couldn't find it on Metacritic. I guess, I don't know if, if the Dreamcast, like, early releases outdate Metacritic because there's some Super Nintendo and N64 games on there, but 
I don't know. For some reason, Crazy Taxi for the Dreamcast wasn't on there. So I had to do a little bit more research through the uh, internet archives or the Wayback Machine. Uh, and I found a few. My beloved GamePro magazine gave it a 5.0 fun factor score. And in his review, Scary Larry highlights that the only downside of the game is how short it can be, which is totally fair. Yeah. IGN gave it a 9.6 out of 10. GameSpy gave it a 9 out of 10. And the intro by Fragmaster is truly a work of art. Check it out. This is what GameSpy Fragmaster wrote. Quote, these days, taxi drivers are stereotyped in the media as smelly, rude immigrants who speak 20 languages, none of them English. People don't seem to realize that there are plenty of psychotic, deranged cabbies out in the streets as well. These are disturbed people whose sole pleasure in life is scaring the living bejesus out of their passengers, causing them to fill their pants multiple times and beg for the sweet mercy of God. These menaces to society never seem to get much time in the limelight, but thanks to Crazy Taxi, they now have the chance to strut their stuff. End quote. I don't know what universe Fragmaster is talking about, <laughs> but I've, I've never met anyone like this. Even now, even in the days of Uber, there's never been anyone who, who gets joy out of making their passengers crap their pants multiple times. But He's projecting some... <laughs> trauma that has happened probably Maybe he had to play it for too much before <laughs> actually writing his review and he thought that, that was the world he was living in and even even after that uh intro he, he still gave it a nine out of ten so that that's that's all good uh the lowest rated review i could find came from maxim magazine who gave it a three out of five in their one paragraph review which says the following quote this driving game is a virtual vindication for the beleaguered wheelman Playing as one of four drivers, which include a green-haired punk and a hot girl, you have a simple objective. Deliver your fare to his destination and collect the tip. Take shortcuts through train tunnels, ignore traffic th signals, and mow down street signs, accompanied by the screams of your customer and a soundtrack by the offspring. We don't like how the pesky pedestrians always manage to dodge your cab, but the graphics of the San Francisco-like city are amazingly detailed. End quote. So Maxim Guy gave it a low review because he couldn't run over pedestrians. That would come in a few more years. <laughs> right. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Uh, I couldn't find it winning much Game of the Year awards other than the best driving game by GameSpot. It didn't even get best game music from GameSpot that year because it lost to Chrono Cross, SSX, and Jet Grind Radio in the same like category, which is <laughs> always makes me think like every time I... I look back at how many games were released like on a certain year. I'm kind of blown away by just the the density of good releases that that happened, is, like in the year 2000 or in the year 2000. Which is wild because isn't the Tony Hawk the year 2000? I thought that was. You might be right. 99. Ah, see, so it was a year before, yeah. but um, yeah, it's just yeah, I Crazy Taxi didn't win much Game of the Year awards. But um, it got really, really good reviews. Um, and it is widely considered one of the best Dreamcast games, however, uh, with Retro Games Magazine naming it the sixth best Dreamcast game of all time behind. And I thought this was a pretty good list. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, it's sixth. And uh, Soul Calibur is fifth. Skies of Arcadia is fourth. Uh, Res is third. House of the Dead is second. And the, according to Retro Magazine, the best Dreamcast game of all time is Shenmue. So, um, Skies of Arcadia is the only one I don't recognize. Skies of Arcadia is a really good RPG, but it also it also got re-released on the GameCube, um, which I I don't own it for Dreamcast, but I own it for GameCube, and it's it's pretty good. It has that whole steampunk Sky Pirates look that I was into for a little bit. Um, the only one that I don't even agree with on that list is House of the Dead too. I I yeah. never really got into light gun games other than like Time Crisis. Yeah, I but, love uh, Time Crisis. Who was your guys' go-to driver? I would always go BD Joe. Which is yeah, the, the black guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, the only one I never picked was the Italian guy. I, I forgot his name. Yeah, the, the New York guy. Yeah, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> I never got him, but pretty much everyone, everyone else. And uh, it was really my favorite was always getting him on the bike taxi. <laughs> I think it was I, Axel. Axel is the punk. Axel is right? the green haired dude. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I always felt like the dash, like the the. The, the dash functionality felt faster on BD Joe, probably because it made a different sound because it's like a bigger car. Um, but that's the main reason why I picked it. <laughs> um, I, liked, I liked his beratings of the customers way more than everyone else's. So. 
Yeah, New York guy would just say like sit down or something like that, right? Yeah. And this guy was like, get your butt back in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> say something, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of sales, Crazy Taxi sold like hotcakes. In the year 2000, it sold nearly 750,000 units and overall ended up 1.1 selling and overall ended up selling 1.13 million units for the Dreamcast. It was a hit. It launched the Sega All-Stars category and almost everyone that had a Dreamcast had Crazy Taxi. That's anecdotal, but it's true. <laughs> um, and one weird wrinkle is that the home version of Crazy Taxi seemed to be way a way bigger hit in the U.S. than in Japan. Since in Japan, it only sold 144,000 units, which to me seems really odd because, I mean... We got more road rage, baby. <laughs> Probably. And maybe <laughs> just speaks as to how big arcades were in Japan where people were like, I don't feel the need to buy this yeah. because I can just go down to the arcade, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I just... Yeah, I was wondering, too, if it had something to do with, like, the brand recognition. But I was talking to a buddy of mine that lived in Japan for a while. He was saying KFC is huge out there, too, so... Yeah. It could not be. My favorite uh, KFC Japan angle is that KFC marketing somehow convinced the Japanese that Americans eat kfc for christmas yeah so every december 25th <laughs> it's like kfc is what japanese people eat <laughs> that's the tradition of christmas food which i thought was brilliant marketing um, <laughs> but that gap is insane you go from 1.13 million to 144,000. i just yeah different cultures i guess or whatever but uh yeah i actually at one point had uh two copies of crazy taxi and when i moved i lost the other one and I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I like, like you said, Joe. I was the only Dreamcast person, so I don't know who else I could have lent it to or what I did with it. It wasn't like games. Uh, Gamespot wouldn't have given me big uh, money for it. Probably like ten. Maybe cents. you just had it on the ready for if one of us ever finally got a Dreamcast. You're like, here. maybe, like, yeah, here. Missing. Um, You're gonna be that gateway person for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, it sold really well. So let's get into behind the scenes or trivia. Uh, I think the first thing, like I said, that we already kind of highlighted was that the game was built around the music, which I just really, really, um, I really appreciate that. And I, you can really feel it. Um, and the second thing is that Crazy Taxi got ported to the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. So I think it's the only title that hit all six gen consoles. Um, like it was on all of them. So there was no, it, it won the console wars, so to speak, because it was everywhere. <laughs> Uh, but it also got ported to the 7th gen with ports to the PS3 and Xbox 360 um, and PC and iOS. So maybe it's the most ported game we'll talk about, period. I um, was reading that some of the ports, some of the lesser known ones, I think it was only on PSP and Game Boy Advance, didn't get the music yeah. because of licensing. So I wonder how those games work <laughs> since this is so like integral to it. I played the Game Boy Advance version and it felt like a like a glorified um, cell phone game, like a Nokia game, because you know, it's like isometric and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know about the other ones, but that brings me to my next one, which is the seventh gen ports, like the ones for PS3 and Xbox 360, had some big changes around licensing of the real world locations. So, for example, they couldn't get licensing for KFC, so it became like FCS Chicken, um, which is like stood for Fried Chicken Shack. Pizza <laughs> Hut became Pizza Parlor. Tower Records became Record Store, and Levi's became Triple X, and Fila became Triple Y for some reason. I, would, I wonder if they could get Tower Records back when they put it on PS5 and uh, <laughs> Xbox. Probably. If the Tower Records is probably owned by the same people that own Newsweek, you know, those uh, people that just scalp brands to sell, yeah. <laughs> to, well, to aggregate content. I think it's just out of business now. They could just put it in and no one's going to say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I also read that there was going to be a movie based around Crazy Taxi, but it never came to fruition. Um, and I always imagined that it would be something like Gone in 60 Seconds or something. I don't know what a Crazy Taxi movie would look like. I was surprised by how much marketing there was. There was a lot of toys yeah. when I, that I remembered when I was going through my research. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I never had any, but I remember Crazy Taxi was like in every commercial for the Dreamcast, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, Another thing is that the original cover art for the game, in my mind, is really weird. It's like some, I don't know if it's like Norman Rockwell style painting <laughs> of Axel, who's a green haired punk, except he looks like he's 40 and he's holding the steering wheel like Mr. Burns, like instead of like yeah. 10 and 2, it's like 1 and 11, like way up here. 
and he's driving some redhead with pigtails while slamming into a shopping cart. It has nothing in common with the actual style of the game. And it's maybe the only thing about this game that I don't like or fully understand. And I'm sure if uh, if Kenji Kano would have seen this release, based on how much care he took for his punk aesthetic, he would have said, this does not match the rhythm of the game or whatever. And he would have canceled it. But it, it's just a really, really weird cover art. And I'll probably put links to it in the show notes. Um, and throughout this... Oh, go for there's it. A, there's a little bit of a, a picture of a man, like, kind of waving his arms similar to like you crazy kids (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just doesn't match the aesthetic of the game whatsoever uh whoever the artist for that thing was is a grade a grifter or (laughs) or whoever convinced someone that that could be uh ample like good adequate packaging for the game i mean to be fair the actual aesthetic of the arcade machine just looking at it now like the first thing that came, comes to mind is it's a Guy Fieri arcade machine because <laughs> of all the flames, all flames and yellow. Yeah. Now there's an idea, Guy Fieri's crazy taxi. <laughs> um, and instead of San Francisco, you're driving around Flavortown. Hey, I'm Guy Fieri, and you know what I need? I need you riding shotgun. I'm on my way to yeah, Flavortown. Yeah, you go Flavortown to all the diners, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> Boom. Mr. Fieri, please reach out. I just trademarked that. Uh, (laughs) uh, So throughout this whole podcast, I've been quoting an interview with Kenji Kano and Retro Gamer Magazine. Um, And at the end of the interview, he says this about Crazy Taxi, like as a franchise. He says, quote, to be honest, throughout Crazy Taxi 1, 2 and 4, I don't have anything that I'm particularly proud of, end quote. So it's like it's really funny because throughout it's it's probably like a four or five page interview. And the interviewer is talking about how great Crazy Taxi is and he injects quotes or whatever and how Crazy Taxi changed his life. And then at the end, he tells Kenji kind of like, how proud are you of what you achieved in this game or whatever? And that's what he answers with. He's like, I, I, I don't really, I'm not particularly proud of anything, which is either really punk or uh, I don't know what it is, but I thought that kind of fit the rhythm of the game too. <laughs> Did did he not work on three or was there no three or was, does he consider that to the, he's the I guess one he's proud he doesn't of. consider that one that good. Cause that one only came out on the Xbox. So I don't know. And it was crazy taxi yeah, high yeah. roller. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't like that one or why he didn't mention it. So um, yeah. Did you guys find anything else on your, on your research? The only thing was the, I guess I never played Simpsons Road Rage because mm. I learned that it was a uh, ripoff of this when I always thought it was a Road Rash ripoff. <laughs> no, yeah. Simpsons Road Rage was pretty much Crazy Taxi, but with the Simpsons cars and stuff like that. Yeah. It was pretty fun. It was fine. Wasn't it a launch title for the, no, I'm thinking of Cell Damage, which was a launch title for the Xbox. Right. Cool. So now let's get into our questions. And for season two, we eliminated one question and merged it into another one. So we only have six questions. So let's get started with the first one, which is, what is your favorite moment or thing about this game? So why don't we try with, uh, why don't we start with you, Adrian? What's your favorite thing about this game? Um, favorite thing I think is the dread. I, I, I come across when I ever I pick up someone who needs to go to the baseball stadium because I always remember <laughs> like that is like ah shit I have to go s- so far now yeah. and I hope I can uh, get it but I I think I I always tie this with like a memory of my life mm. um, I I was a nerd during a uh, a class appointed science fair and <laughs> everybody else was doing like normal science projects. But I thought like, well, what happens physiologically uh, when you play violent video games? It gives me an excuse <laughs> to merge interests that I have. Yeah. Um, so I had Quake 3 on Dreamcast yeah. and I would take people's heart rate and blood pressure as they would play it. And that, that was just my study. But uh, <laughs> after the science fair, just a bunch of uh, teenagers fresh in, uh, from the freshman class uh, just gathered in the, the cafeteria just to chill and talk. And I was there playing Crazy Taxi. And I lapped the whole city twice. Nice. <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe halfway through this uh girl one of the popular kids 
uh, like, oh, what's this? And uh, I essentially made a conscious decision. I have to focus on this game. <laughs> Ignore the pretty girls. <laughs> you only have one chance of this. I'm, I'm, I'm striking really hot on, on this crazy taxi. And I think it kind of casted uh, who I was, unfortunately, for the next eight years or so. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, what is uh, the old Walt Whitman two uh, two roads <laughs> that merge. Yeah. You could have taken the other one, but you took the harder one, and that made all the difference. <laughs> yeah. So while it was a personal best, it was also a lifetime low. <laughs> <laughs> that, that yeah, that's that's hilarious. What about you, Joe? What's your favorite moment or thing about this game? I don't know that it's fair to credit the game with it, but uh, and it's not a knock on the game at all. It's all I want by the offspring. The decision to use that, I guess. Yeah. Um, for like, there's, it, yeah, it's my favorite part about it because I guess the thing that I associate the most with this is just getting air while that music is blasting off mm. of those San Francisco streets. Like, yeah. If like you said, it's Pavlovian. As soon as anybody mentions Crazy Taxi, like I'm just at least drift away for a few seconds of hitting air with BD Joe in one off of one of those ramps. Yeah, yeah. And my, mine is kind of similar um, to Adrian's, which is I, I call it when you hit the flow in certain games, right? Like you just mm -hmm. tap into something and you just keep going. It's 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 especially true with like arcade type games because they have that it's going to end soon, um, like feel to them, uh, but you can extend it if you're doing really well. And like crazy taxi was one of those games where I just, whenever you hit the flow and you just keep going and you like lap the entire city and you're back where you started or whatever, it feels like you're actually doing something exceptional. Right. And that's the moment that I love about this game because it can be really short if you suck at it, <laughs> but if you, if you, if you actually hit that, flow you can play for a long long time and it's so rewarding and you just see that like count go up of how much money you've collected or whatever and everything fades away even the pretty girls at the science fair when it happens um and that's yeah the other one is my is the music or um the funny passengers like i don't know if you guys remember you could pick up scuba divers like if you drive out into the ocean uh there's like scuba divers on the sea floor and they get in and then you drive out and the physics are not affected at all by being underwater, which was kind of an <laughs> oversight funny. of the Dreamcast. And then the other one, um, you could pick up a pregnant lady, which to me was always kind of like, oh man, should I drive the same way? <laughs> like, is it going to affect <laughs> the child? Because she always wants to go to the hospital. She's like, clearly she's about to give birth. But if I crash or flip or whatever with this lady on the way there, the baby's not going to survive. So those those are two of uh, some of my favorite ones. Um, or the priest was always if funny. If they had programmed her wanting to go to Pizza Hut or the Fila store, <laughs> would you have driven less cautiously? No, it, you need to get to the Fila store before the sales end. See? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the most uh, pressing need above all, above every, any life. Um but yeah, I th I think overall it was just that that energy that this game had. It's like very few ones. I don't think yeah, just the energy about it when you could tap into it. It was just a really really rewarding game, and that's that's what I love about it the most. Um, second question: What is the worst part of the game? What do you think, Joe? Um, I guess I sucked at it because there's I mean and I was also, I was also nitpicking so I was just the only things that I could think of were how short it was just because there's only like the one level. I guess if you're playing on xbox there's or uh, dreamcast there's the two of them yeah um but I, it's funny that you said that about the underwater people because i didn't know that and when i was re when i was re-watching it i was like man the env environmental physics kind of suck like why should you be <laughs> able to just drive underwater but i and then when i was thinking about it like how could they really change that if you drive underwater time is so valuable in this game that they can't just like reset you and then take off time like yeah there's not really any fix for it it's just nitpicking it's just nitpicking again if I had known the drivers were there, I probably wouldn't have mentioned environmental physics as my worst part. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny when you go underwater. Like she's she's still wearing her snorkel when she gets on and stuff like that. So that's funny. Yeah, uh, Adrian, what about you? What's the worst part of this game for you? I think related to that, like the shortness that mm. it's primarily you can still see the the bones of it being an arcade game where yeah. it's essentially designed in a way to separate you from your quarters. Yeah. Uh, so the the difficulty curve, like I said, that happens around the baseball field, 
Yeah. Uh, it's designed for you to game over. And I wish that it had been like, okay, let's kind of retool this for console mm. where people are going to be sitting down and replaying this again and again and again because they already paid their 50 bucks up front instead of 50 cents at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and make a city that can... Uh, can be more of a longer stretch as opposed to having artificial like difficulty spikes. Yeah. So that's why it was like significant for me to lap it twice. Like I, I beat the design. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I think for me, it's, it's kind of tied into that, which is how easy things can get off the rails. Like if you screw one passenger up, it's over like that. <laughs> that's it. Like you, you, if you didn't get there, like with a speedy boost or whatever, it's, it's over. Like you just, you're just never going to recover from that. Or, so, and what matters also is like when you deliver your target, yeah. uh, did you, uh, do like a, a drift? So yeah. you're pointed towards traffic yeah. instead of needing to back up and then go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, there were times where by the second passenger, I knew, oh, this isn't gonna, this isn't going to be a, a long game. And then you kind of hang have that over you, and they did kind of try to address it, but because because there are like times modes where you can just play for ten minutes, play for fifteen minutes, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But something about that doesn't it doesn't feel the same, you know, because you don't see the countdown and you don't add back to it or anything like that. So I don't know if it definitely needed a bigger fix than just having time like time added. Um, it could have been something in the design, like you said, but. I think we all agree that that's the worst part of the game. That if like it, it can it can be short, it can be shallow they, for that. Sense. Yeah, they try to yeah. make it a little bit more content rich with the the mini games. Yeah, but I only want to play Crazy Taxi Bowling every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to uh, sink my teeth into. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, and and I think overall that's the only complaint for this game, even from like reviewers at the time. Which is valid. It's a it's a complaint that happens to all arcade born games that come over, um, just because of the mechanic, the eating quarters mechanic, right? So, yeah. Third question: How did the game age, and what parts of it aged the best, worst, aside from the graphics? Um, Adrian, what do you think? I, uh, I think what aged the best is probably the music. Yeah. I uh, but I, I think what aged also really well is the concept of like the open world driving game because yeah. you then see that in Driver, yeah, and then um, later it essentially just blows up with open world mm. uh, crime games, yeah. Um, yeah. But it started with the 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 gameplay gameplay like loop of getting around the city, mm. yeah. Definitely. I, I, I think that like, I hadn't thought about it until I read it that it's like, Oh, crazy taxi was open world. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess it was like, yeah. because you, yeah. you didn't have, that's like, what levels. I was thinking as Andrew just said that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, wow, I open world started like back in 1999 when this thing hit the arcade. <laughs> so it got perfected in like grand theft auto three or whatever, but it, it was, it was here the the driving in the open world, which is now there's like, Grand Theft Auto Five has lived for so long because people are like having race series in Grand Theft Auto Five, which is like just an open world driving game now for a lot of people, which is pretty cool. What about you, Joe? What do you think aged the best or or worst aside from the graphics? Um, it was it was tough to control, but I always liked the way that they made the car handle. Mm. Uh, like it wasn't tight, but I I felt like that was part of the fun of figuring out the game and like especially because you replay it over and over again in a lot of the same sequences. Mm. Um. And like I don't really remember playing having as much fun in a driving game as this one. None of them really as, as vo invoke as much of a uh, good experience as this one does. Really, yeah. Um, for me, it's a control. So every time that I read about like Dreamcast or, or con games that were released on the Dreamcast and other consoles, they would always say that oh the Dreamcast controls are the worst. And I would always be like so against that as an adamant Dreamcast fanboy. I was like the control is just as good. <laughs> but plugging this thing in like recently and playing it, it's like it didn't feel as good without that second joystick. I don't know if I, I wanted camera control. I wanted something, but it just felt so loose and it felt so it just felt weird. And, and they just didn't age well at all. And I, I can see that happening with with a bunch of Dreamcast games because just not having that second joystick, is it just 
miss you miss like an axis of control. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't remember hating the controls as much as I did like with Shadow of the Colossus, and so Mm. it didn't take take away as much. But I also didn't play it on much uh, as much on Dreamcast as you did. Yeah, and the other thing that I think aged really well is just the the pace of it. Like I think he definitely um, got the whole feel like an action movie down. Because it does kind of, it doesn't feel like a driving game. It doesn't feel like, I, like I think the closest analog to it, if it was a pure driving game, would have been like Outrun. I don't know if you guys remember that one, which is when you drive a Ferrari with a blonde next to you and you're trying to get away. And it's just, it's the same countdown mechanic, but it's just driving, which is th- this one is like the city's more alive. There's more people. There's people moving out of the way. There's you crashing and everything. So it feels more like an action movie. And even now it still feels like that, which I thought, it, it was really, really cool. And that overall, the city still feels big. Like it's not GTA big, but at least it's big enough where I felt like sometimes I didn't know where I was going for a little yeah. bit. Or like if I yeah. knew where I was going, I was like, oh man, that's so far, which is pretty impressive considering it's like 20 years old, right? <laughs> I, I think a, a notable thing is its tone. Mm. Um, for being uh, an open world driving game, uh, you can drive on the wrong side of the street and uh, like barely miss cars. And not only that, you get rewarded for that. Like you get, <laughs> you get tips for it yeah. and that, and it has a whimsy to being dangerous yeah. that other open world games with kind of like a driving mechanic, like trades in for malice. Mm. Um, so like crazy taxi has this like sugar, encoded like veneer to it um of being dangerous but if you're being that kind of dangerous in another game you are being like a flat-out menace with three stars on you (laughs) yeah that is true and and i it kind of goes back to that complaint that maxim had right where it's just like oh you can't run over everyone anyone well that's the point the point is that it's it's chaotic but it it's still fun. Like you're, no one's getting hurt, right? Not even the pregnant right. lady. So, <laughs> not even the pregnant lady. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that leads to our fourth question: What is the legacy of this game in gaming and maybe culture at large? And I think you kind of, you kind of started touching on that, Agent. So, uh, what do you, what do you think? So, I, I think this comes, Crazy Taxi is part of the lineage of like the downhill arcade racer kind mm. of like a uh, cruise in usa and san francisco 2049 mm. uh hydro thunder has a soft spot in my heart yeah <laughs> um but it also signals kind of like the end of the arcade era yeah um and when i think of like the end swan songs of the arcade literally it's like one of the last arcade games mm. um it's like one of the f- last unique arcade games I use this like as a barometer um, for all of you of of the listeners outside of El Paso. I'm I'm hard, I'm I'm sorry to say, make a reference uh, to a very local uh, thing, <laughs> but there's a local uh, staple of El Paso cuisine called Chico Tacos. <laughs> yeah, and they would have new arcade games, and one of the last ones that they had on one of their flagship locations was Crazy Taxi, and right. <laughs> After that, they went to like a generic kind of just uh, shooting gallery kind of a game. Yeah. Um, and I always think of the the last hurrah of arcades being a Crazy Taxi. Hmm. But on top of that, it also, I think, planted the seed uh, along with uh, another game that came out in 1999. I'm thinking of like the arcade release also, but I think it's like a companion cousin to like Tony Hawk. Mm. Um, bringing arcade-ish mechanics uh, to a difficult task um, and embracing a punk aesthetic mm. that would then like change my life as I became like a faux punk kid. <laughs> Uh, in the early 2000s <laughs> yeah i definitely remember the crazy taxi arcade cabinet at chico stacos and i was on like i'm not gonna say the top but i was probably top five in the leaderboard up until uh the shifter broke one point so you could no longer do the dash 
because as you know, you needed to like go to reverse and then forward and gas at the same time, like drive and gas at the same time. And that thing broke. And after that, you couldn't, you couldn't no longer do the crazy dash. So scores were <laughs> trash after that. But um, yeah, I do, I do see that pairing of, um, because later skating games would try to be realistic. And Tony Hawk was never realistic. Tony Hawk mm -mm, was about no. exaggerated oh, no. combo grinds. chains. Yeah, endless and, grinds, endless manuals. And the music. Yeah, and the yeah. music. And Literally, that's what it was, is you were playing music, doing like crazy, uh, you were playing the awesome music that it came with, doing crazy ass stuff that nobody could ever do in skating. Other yeah. than Rodney Mullen, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing with Crazy Taxi. Like, there's no way you could drive like this. But yeah. it's it's fine. You drive and you listen to the music and you feel good and uh, and you dye your hair green at some point, which <laughs> which is a big thing. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I was trying to think while you were talking about that if there was any big arcade release after Crazy Taxi. And I the only one that kind of came to mind, which is almost in the same vein and it's the same developer, was that big rig one, eighteen wheeler. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. But that I was also so. in Sega. And it was it was pretty much Crazy Taxi in an 18-wheeler. So <laughs> it wasn't even that original. Um, but yeah, there was no there was no big arcade titles after that, which is kind of sad. But yeah. It is. If if that wouldn't have gotten it, there's no way arcade survived COVID. So they were gonna die anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh Joe, what do you think is the legacy of this game? Uh, I mean, to I guess to kind of pair with some of the beginning of that, maybe it's more the conversion of the arcade because i think it actually has influenced mobile gaming a lot mm. um i found an, a wiki an article on the wikipedia where connell was talking about how he wanted the game to be not only short uh, short sessions but he wanted the game to explore daily life and routine of a taxi driver mm. um and so like gameplay wise it reminds me a lot of like the endless runner games that we get where yeah you you get um more points or more coins like if you go for crazier routes where you could go the easier way but if you want more uh stuff and to advance further you have to go and do try crazier stuff um and the tapper games where you can just come in be playing something for like five ten minutes and then just jump out of it right away so i think that i guess more just the arcade feel has like like, like i said the conversion of, of that really mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, for me, I think the legacy is that uh, games, at, it like at this point became kind of like it. Crazy Taxi showed the potential of what a game could be in terms of like how cinematic it is, in terms of the music, the rhythm, everything kind of working together to have more of like an aesthetic experience, necessarily not just a video game, um, and. It was attempted in the PlayStation N64 era, right? And there's some that got really close. I would say like Ocarina of Time, maybe, or Majora's Mask, which was terrifying, right? <laughs> um, but I think like with Crazy Taxi, it showed you that, oh, it can also be fun and chaotic and high energy and stuff like that, which is something that, I don't know if it's maybe the technical limitations of the previous era didn't allow, um, but I feel like there's a, a bunch of games that stand on the shoulders of Crazy Taxi in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and especially like the controlled chaos aspect of it. It showed that that can be fun. And I, I feel like hardware was just getting powerful enough to be able to render that many things flying around or that quickly or whatever. And uh, there's like a whole bunch of games built around just messing stuff up, right? Or that's part of the big fun of Grand Theft Auto, which is just like, how chaotic can I make this situation? And uh, Crazy Taxi rewarded you for that. And didn't make you feel bad about it, which it's kind of something that you touched on earlier, Adrian. And I think uh, that that is that is to me the legacy of it. And they try to reproduce it with Crazy Taxi two and three, but it never got as high as that. They were just kind of like chasing that ghost, so to speak. Um, and I don't think any other game has had that since. So I think that's like the legacy of it, where you see Crazy Taxi in all of these aspects of like just go mess things up and have fun, and we'll reward you for it, right? So I, I feel like that's the legacy of it. Um, the fifth question, is this the peak for any studio or generation? What do you think, Joe? Uh, I'd say peak fun, I guess. Like it shares <laughs> it with a bunch of other stuff, but it was just enjoyable. Like I don't really have any negative experiences playing this game. Um, yeah. Like I 
Yeah, I can't think of one. Even where there's times like in knowing the looking back on it, how bad I I sucked at it. Like I still had fun every single time. And maybe it's just because those those punk songs were only two three minutes, so <laughs> you could get through a full one and feel like not not shortchanged at all. Yeah, you know, speaking of the music, there was my favorite. Like, yeah, the all I want is like the song, right? But my favorite song on the soundtrack was the one that says, "What kind of guy can get you to the thing?" I was like, I thought that was so. Those lyrics are like always in my mind when it's just like, oh yeah, what kind of guy can get you to? I would say that randomly and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah no, I don't think I. Yeah, like there's a lot of songs on here that I don't think I can play in the car. <laughs> Otherwise, I will just start to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For, for me, I think this is the pinnacle of Hitmaker, the game development studio. Um, so like I said earlier, they released three games in the year 2000. They released Virtual Tennis, they released Virtual On, which apparently I'm the only one that really played, <laughs> and uh, Crazy Taxi. And I don't think it gets any better for them. Um, maybe it's not like the sole peak, but those three, like that year forms the, the best year in the history of Hitmaker because it all went downhill after that along with the rest of Sega. Um, and let, let, I also have this consideration. Let me know what you guys think. Is it the peak driving game of the era, like in terms of pure driving. Because you could get into like the Gran Turismos, but those are not like, you can't just feel good playing those games because you have to dedicate so much and you have to like balance the car and all these other things. Like, is this the funnest driving game that you just hand the controller to and go in a car and it's fun? I, th I think so. Because the only one, other one I'm thinking of that I had only other driving game I had as much fun playing was like Need for Speed Underground. Yeah. But the reasons for that, I really treated it more like Euro Car, ma Euro car Manager. <laughs> yeah. Like I spent more time on my cars and then the game also made you feel like you were going fast, but it wasn't really like, it wasn't as fun as this for sure. Yeah. And would you consider Burnout 3 to be in the same gen as that's, yes, that's, Taxi? That's what I had as my, that's the only <laughs> one that I think could come close. Because Burnout 3 was was that chaotic fun and it made you feel like you're going so fast and you got rewarded for big explosions, right? And things like that. Yeah, think, it just feels so like different in like even aesthetic that I'm yeah. not even it's it's hard. That's like uh who's yeah. the um the basketball player on the NBA logo? Uh Jerry West. Jerry West. Yeah. It's like Crazy Taxi's Jerry West, like classically good. <laughs> but then Burnout 3 is just like, yeah, yo, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't put, stack them next to each other because the one's just bigger, faster, stronger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I can, that, that was the only game that I thought came close. Like Burnout 3, just because it, it had the same aspect where you can just, you just grab the controller and go and you like figure out, like it, as you drive along, it's like, oh, this is fun. This is crazy. Oh, I can do this and I can do this. And, um, but maybe, maybe second place in terms of driving games for the era. I also had Need for Speed Underground, but like you said, Joe, I, the most, or you like mid, or like, uh, what was it? Midnight Club Racing, the one that Rockstar used to do. Yeah. Yeah. But the most fun things about those was customizing your cars, right? And yeah. not necessarily the driving, the Barbie uh, dollhouse part of it. Yeah. What about you, Adrian? Uh, do you think this is the peak of any studios or generation? Um, I think it's probably the peak of the arcade ports. Because, mm. uh, again, with uh, arcades kind of like going by the wayside, they're they're trying to get as much publishers are trying to get as, as much coin as they can. Um, out of these IPs, so let's go ahead and port them to the consoles. So you had like a glut of these uh, ports, but I think it's the peak of all of those uh, from the arcade, ripped from the arcade experiences at home. Yeah. Um, and again, like I've had like wonderful memories of Hydra Thunder, mm. of doing aqua jumps into secret areas. Um, <laughs> And getting nine second, is that how the boosts work? Yeah, the like time you get... extension, or yeah, yeah. the boost, and uh, it, was, it was like a gauge type thing, right? Yeah, um, and I, I think Crazy Taxi is the one of the best uh, arcade to console ports. 
Yeah, I think in but, as, aside from like fighting games, I was like, going to say as a whole, Soul Calibur, <laughs> yeah, the Dreamcast was great for arcade ports because it was essentially an arcade board, right? So like Soul Calibur, Marvel versus Capcom two, um, Street, well, maybe Street Fighter Alpha three was a little older, but the the Dreamcast version is like the definitive version. I mean, was um, Virtual Tennis an arcade game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virtual yeah, Tennis yeah. was. That's the only one that I think is is almost. Because, but for me, virtual tennis it's so much simpler though. Yeah, and virtual tennis to me feels better at home. I don't, I don't yeah. know why. Like the mini games actually worked better than just the straight up arcade version. Um, like there's like a world tour mode and stuff like that, which I think like it, it just works better at home than an arcade. I have think this played, is like. Have you played the arcade version of Typing of the Dead? <laughs> Not the arcade version. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't see how people oh. like. Oh, it's real. Yeah. I've, so uh, there's an arcade here in Austin called Pinballs, and they have uh, they have a, a Japanese keyboard. Oh, wow. Um, and I I don't get very far. Very far. <laughs> I did not know that was an arcade game. You know what? I don't like the... It's the ISO keyboards, right? With like that weird shaped enter key. Yeah. 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 And then like the backslash is like a normal size key. I don't, I don't like the ISO it's keyboards. Sheer panic as you look at your keyboard <laughs> i don't see how that's got to be super hard to maintain like i'm thinking teenage me if i went to an arcade and saw a cabinet with a keyboard i would like try to steal one of the keycaps right or something <laughs> like that that must have been a nightmare to maintain in uh, most oh. arcades maintenance i was just thinking about mentioning when you mentioned hydro thunder is that either i was really weak or those uh boost knobs can withstand like an atomic bomb because i would throw my entire weight behind them thinking it would make a difference when i would when you like try and throw it forward yeah sorry i just had a flashback there <laughs> yeah so i yeah i i could i could i could give that maybe virtual tennis is the only one that to me is like a, a better example of that but crazy tax is definitely up there and our last question sixth and final question how would this game work or look like in 2021 and i uh i gave I, I try to think about this in like a different way um so like the the first thing that i thought about is like okay this game has no explanation you just sit down and play you just go so it has to be something like that so maybe it's just the driving portion of gta because that's what i feel like crazy taxi was the direct precursor of but the big thing about this one and i, I kept talking about it was that the like the game was built around the music, right? It was built around the offspring and the bad religion music that he like gave them at the beginning. Um, and that, like the album Ixnay on the Ombre was released three years before the game. And it was at the peak of pop punk. So I think it would, whatever game it is, it would have to be centered around a song or album released in 2018 that mm. was popular. So Take your pick of Astro World by Travis Scott or Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. But if I had my pick, it would be a driving game centered around FM by Vince Staples. Um, so I don't know what that looks like. It's in California still. It's in Southern California, though. There's a lot of beach. Um, and instead of getting dreading, like getting a, a passenger going to the baseball stadium, it's a passenger going to the Google building. <laughs> Or somewhere in Silicon Valley, like oh man, I gotta go way over there. Yeah, so I I don't know. I just thought the idea of like a driving game centered around music from 2018 would be pretty interesting. Uh, by the way, my favorite country album, Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves, was also released that year. But I don't think that would be anywhere near the same vibe of Crazy Taxi. Uh, but yeah, I I don't I really don't know what it would look like. It would have to be like a GTA driving game where um oh it's not taxi it's it's yeah. crazy uber <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and some pass or or like yeah you're you're a gig driver and there's two rival companies that you're driving for <laughs> uh and some you passengers happy some passengers are either uber some passengers are either lyft or the, the, just the equivalents of so you have to switch um and switch routes even um uh, and might even like extrapolate off of that. And someone ordered 
That's what I was going to say. You have a mobile phone and someone ordered McDonald's. You have to get the McDonald's <laughs> first, then go and drop it off. Or do a combo, get the McDonald's, uh, then mid-trip pick someone up, drop them off, pick up your McDonald's, et cetera, et cetera. So, like you combine two different services uh and microtransactions for cosmetics <laughs> for uh disco lights inside your your uber car or whatever yeah and and puke bags on the back <laughs> as you ask them uh, uh please don't vomit in my car <laughs> what? Have to throw in some sort of story so you're a struggling gig worker what is the soundtrack for uh me. what's the soundtrack for crazy uber I, I I I think you kind of nailed it on the head. Like all of those, um, <laughs> uh, or even like the the passengers have requests. Um, uh-huh. So so you just go through like your FM, the same way like a Uber like kind of asks like, is there anything you want to listen to? <laughs> yeah, the person that says NPR would be the worst one. <laughs> Maybe it could be like crazy Amazon Flex driver where you have to. Uh, <laughs> Pick up packages from the fulfillment center and deliver them all just around the city. Oh uh, yeah, and and uh, it just writes itself, man. Like <laughs> depending on instead of like the grades, like A, B, or C minus, like how Crazy Taxi normally does it, like you just get star ratings. Like oh, that was a, I'm a that person that said I was a three star driver. I hope they go to hell. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think, Joe? Um. Well, for mine, I wrote just like it would just be more arcadey and go back like on the go games and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. thinking of Kano's original idea, but I definitely was thinking the whole time I was watching this is or like we need to have a hip hop version of this, and it wouldn't be as like frenetic. It would be much more chill. <laughs> but there, there needs to be some sort of hip hop version of this. It's like the opposite of like how how chill were you on the way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I kind of kept thinking of is like so. Kano was stuck in traffic, right? And and he saw the other lane was wide open. Um, so it's just like, I don't know about you guys, but in, in, in this last year, I didn't do much driving. So I didn't have that annoyance. My biggest annoyance was all of the, like, the work Zoom calls or Microsoft Teams calls or whatever. And I was thinking, how can I deal with that in a crazy taxi way <laughs> so that it would be more fun? Um, but I couldn't come up with anything. So I was yeah, just like, ah, no crazy Chrome tabs. <laughs> yeah. Crazy uh, fake Zoom background that looks very accurate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a direct one-to-one other than that like crazy gig driver. And then there could be a segment of it where you're uh, struggling to not have health insurance or, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> so it could be a little darker than Crazy Taxi, but... Um, yeah, definitely a, a game of the era and something that's kind of hard to think what it would look like today. Um, is there anything else, anything else that you guys want to share or talk about uh, Crazy Taxi before we wrap up? It's one of the only games that my wife doesn't absolutely hate. Oh, that, that, is, <laughs> that is a highlight. Uh, I, I got a memory when you talked about the arcade cabinet at, um, at Chico Stacos, Adrian. There was one time this kid like probably like four or five years old who was hanging off the wheel mm-hmm. at the crazy taxi one. Yeah. They were and abused. I, yeah. And I remember I scolded the child. I was like, Hey, hey to say no, 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 no. And, and then the dad and mom were like looking angry at me for the rest of the meal until they left. So I was just like, ah, crap, I'm, I'm going to get hurt or something like that. So I have that memory of crazy taxi too. Uh, but uh, yeah. You were ever since then you were uh, it's protector. <laughs> have you seen mall rats run i've only seen it once and i remember thinking that there was something wrong with my tv because it's in black and white right or am i confusing that no it's clerks clerks the original yeah clerks. yeah there you go see i'm thinking I of gotta, clerks. i gotta send you a scene from mall rats where he's complaining about this kid on the escalator it reminds <laughs> me of that yeah that's uh the other memory that I really have a really good memory of Crazy Taxi is just BD Joe being the best part of the Dreamcast. It's thinking commercials. You drive through the mall, the subway, city park, you like a dope That was some big air. <laughs> What's your problem? Hey, that's what I get paid this for. Day. I made some serious cake that day. I think those ads are the best for any console because after that, Sony had some weird ones where they try to go like artsy with their um, commercials and Dreamcast was just like all of the Sega characters are living in the Dreamcast and VD Joe would always come out like just talking to someone and stuff. So I was just like, oh man, I want to go play Crazy Taxi every time I would see that commercial. So yeah, 
But um, so yeah, thanks guys for for joining me and talking about this great video game. And thank you, the listener, for listening to this. Um, season two is going to be 10 episodes again. Uh, feel free to reach out at the email in the show notes. If you have any thoughts, comments, leave a review. Or if you want, if you have a game that you want us to talk about or um, yeah, just discuss. Um, so thanks again, uh, Joseph and Adrian. And I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.